Welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. I'm Rune Emerson, and I'm so goth I pee bats. I'm Felix Warren, and whenever I shake my head, glitter falls out. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've seen it. Yeah, it's just like, I, I've i tried anti-dandruff shampoo, and it doesn't help. Yep, sparkly etch-a-sketch. Yeah, I... <laughs> For more information about us, visit circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com. So, Rune, how was yeah. your day? Um, f- hellish. But not hellish. as hellish as it's been over the last week, and, like, impersonally <sighs> hellish. Like, so it... There are five fires around this area, and one of them is huge and, like, terrifying. And so I live in Silent Hill. Yeah, you're in Reno right now. Well, yes, like always. Um, for for the anybody who's joined in, if just I'm not this visiting episode. you, I'm usually at home, and that means yeah. Reno. And like I'm in Portland, and I have less smoke than you do, but I still have smoke. We had like when the sun is in the afternoon to evening hours, it's at this angle where it's not quite sunset yet, but it's just like all the shadows are very long, and the sun itself is a laser, and there's so much dust in the air that it turns into like this bright white nuclear winter. Right. Like, so whenever it gets like this out here, and it gets like this, like over the last like decade, it's been doing this a lot. It didn't used to, and it is now. Um, so global warming is a thing, guys. Climate change yes. is a thing. Um, this is pretty bad. Just so we're clear, it's been this way for like a decade. Um, but anyways, uh, whenever it gets like this, I get stuck somewhere between homestuck and like occult horror. Like, Silent Hill, ghost stories, vampires. So, like, I get stuck somewhere between. And, like, I've been very firmly on the So Goth IP Bats, like, section. I've just been, like, I totally want to fly around my house um, wearing, like, a bat-shaped cape and just, like, you know, appear behind people suddenly when they're talking and, and have them freak out. Just, you know, extra as fuck kind of shit. So, yeah, because I feel like I'm already halfway to hell as it is. That's not a bad way to take it. Like, I haven't really had a really good coping mechanism for what's been going on since I just, um, I react very badly to the outdoors becoming a death oven. Yes, Um, heat. And, like, you guys have humidity up there that we don't have? Oh, we don't have it right now. That's the thing, is that when it becomes in the 90s in Portland, it's because the air from, like, the high desert areas of Oregon, like, moved into Portland. Ew. And so it's just awful. Like, like the moisture gets sucked out of your body. Yeah, that's what we've got out here, the smoke plus the heat. But it's always dry here. But, like, I've been having it moisturized like crazy. And, like, going outside is generally like a death sentence so like you get the little doom counter over your head and you have to retreat to sanctuary again yeah i have a i have a hat now for the sun and it's like really really helped but like what's interesting is that portland like there was a project that a a university student um did to heat map portland and found out that like in the park areas it's 10 degrees cooler than in the areas that are just buildings right because concrete it, oh, it soaks in heat, whereas trees breathe oxygen. 
Yeah, you know? and it's just that like that kind of difference, and then just like small patches of greenery were making a difference too, I think. But like, you can pick a walking path in the city that can basically keep you in the 80s as opposed to the 90s. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Very useful. Yeah, it's just like being mindful of where the shadows are. So like, I, that's how I've been walking through the city, and I feel kind of like a vampire. <laughs> like, stick to the shadows. Stick to the shadows. I'm Batman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you like put your arm in front of you like you've got a cape in front of your eyes and just like run from shadow to shadow because if you do I love you even more than I already do I kind of had to do that before I got the hat to keep the, sh- the sun out of my eyes <laughs> see I-, I approve of this entire conversation it was not a dab running though like I could not run because the heat was was too much Ah, yes well that I- man like slow walked it yeah I don't know like I um <laughs> I'm a winter fan like, and I have certain things that I do during the summer that I love, but otherwise I'm kind of over it, which is sad because my birthday's in late summer, as is yours. Yeah, um, my birthday is, like, coming up, and, yeah, like, his, it's in laser August. Yeah, you guys are gonna, like, you're, you guys better buy him, like, Christmas presents that involve, like, ice. They're not Christmas presents, birthday presents, that involve, like, ice. Those of you who are listening to him, just send him, like, an ice box. Yeah, I guess, like, uh, I should post a wish list. I didn't even think about that. I'm, I'm sorry. I haven't been online, everybody. I just like didn't do it for a while. Um, right. And, yeah. But it's okay. It worked out fine, and you've had some fun for birthday, and then you've got more plans for your birthday coming up, and then yeah. then, it's, then it's Nate's turn, and then it's mine. So, yes. and we're like within two weeks of each other, he and I. So. Anyways, okay, so I think that totally Everyone plan for Rune's birthday. Yes, please buy me gifts off of my gift list um, and send them to me and contact me if you want to send things to me because I love presents. And okay, I we're gonna we're gonna post your gift list to to the blog, which means that I'm gonna also post my gift list to the blog. I'm not posting my gift list to the blog. You're not gonna? No, it, it, okay. you do what you want, but I'm not going to do that. Aww. I post it once every year. And then if I have to edit it, then I post it again. But, like, I haven't had to edit it, except for to remove the strike through about the Amazon strike, because I was not about to have anybody send me something from Amazon if the strike was going on. You can locate Rune's gift list. Yes. (laughs) Anyways. All right. So, uh, now it's time for our first installment, affectionately called Hekas Hekas Este Bullshit. To remind everybody, we do this particular... Uh, this particular segment, the Dish of Salt, is used to banish away all things which are untoward and evil and awful and shitty, and that's not what we're using it for this time, because we don't care. So today's Dish of Salt is brought to you by both of us and is a quiz, which we are entitling My Hammy Vices. We are going to be answering some questions that are kind of the like seven deadly sins, the occult like variety the occult version um and just kind of you know learning more about each other and you guys all get to play along because you get to listen as well also if you guys want to i'm going to be posting this on our blog and you are all of you welcome to fill it out and send back your answers to us and let us see what you kind of came up with remember to reblog it so that we can read it off the thread don't like send it in and ask that's ridiculous there's too many yeah yeah like too many letters anyway box yeah, don't do that. All right, so... Use the, the functionality of social media to our right. advantage. I don't even think we have a submit on on Circle of Salt's Tumblr, do we? 
No, we don't. Yeah, and so don't do yeah. that. Just just reblog. Just um, all right, so for the first question, the first vice that we are looking at is sloth. Now, the question says, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, the occult version, sloth. Uh, name an occult subject that never fails to make you snooze from boredom and don't want to. You get to go first uh, on this one. Occult subject that makes me snooze from boredom and don't want to. So, like... There's a lot of them, but past lives... Past li That's a good one. Oh, I didn't think of that one. That's like, really good. Anytime someone brings it up, huh? Yeah, because, like, the problem I have with past lives... There's a lot of problems I have with past lives, but... Okay, for one, like, 90% of the things I hear about when it comes to past lives are very soap operatic. Mm -hmm. And I get it. That is the kind of stuff that you would remember, and it is probably the stuff that, like, you know, you'd still be, like, kind of clinging to after... You know, you remembered, like, a life that you aren't even living right now. But, like, um, there's a lot of stuff that's just, like, very, very BS-y. Um, mm -hmm. And then, like, I don't really have past life memories, so I don't really have anything to do with this. The, <laughs> I get really tired of past life stuff, not necessarily because I think that anybody who has a past life is is BSing it. I, I'm like pro them working their stuff out, and I'm actually pro hearing about it. But like, there's like so many people who talk about past lives in a marketing sense who are like, everyone has past lives, and all of their problems can be worked out by working out their past lives. And it's like, stop digging for stuff that might not be there. I could totally relate. I it's one of the subjects I refuse to do uh, divination about professionally, like at all. Yeah, I just like because I don't have memories to sort through for whatever reason, um, and I certainly don't like somebody externally, you know, from their external viewpoint, like projecting a past life onto me. And I've had people right. do that, and it's really creepy. It's like yeah. it's it's just like hearing so many games of pretend from my from my vantage point, even though like whoever it's happening with, you know, this could be very real, but, like, I, I have no... Don't this, wanna. This, this has, like, you know, this has no interface for me. Yep. If I ever, like, end up with, like, some past life memories, then, like, you know, I could play in this pool, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so my... What about you? Yeah, my answer to this question is, um... Uh, like fake scholasticism but especially like in the recon traditions so like the worst for me recently in recent days have been people who are um, very involved in either Norse or Hellenistic reconstruction like I get super bored when they start talking about like how you can't do this because this is not valid and blah 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 as if the thing they're talking about is a living religion that's still around that we have like concrete accurate records about everything about and like half of it isn't guesswork anyway i just am over here kind of going i don't care i really i you know i just don't care that endlessly bores me that and the four elements like don't even bring up earth, air, fire, and water with me. I don't care. <laughs> like the those four are... elements. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, no, nah, I don't care. So what do you do when, when they come up? What do I do? Yeah, I, like... I, so there's, 
there's a video from the Tracy Ullman show about her playing Angela Merkel and how she has this horrible poker face um, and she rolls her eyes at the slightest provocation. That, that's what I do. On public fucking television, I will roll my eyes at people. I'm not even kidding. I have no control over it. If people start bringing this shit up, my face will tell you everything you need to know. Literally, I am. I have zero fucks to give. So, like, if it's if if they come up because they're part of something traditional, do you swap them out for something, or is it more about if someone's trying to teach me something, like, and then they use the four elements, then I will I will literally just like like they won't enter into my mind. It, something will immediately translate in. Um, because I've learned how to do that, but if it's if we're talking about like the recon stuff, I literally just zone out. I won't even like if someone's trying to teach me something. I'm like, you're gonna have to try harder to make me care. I uh, like it's a struggle for me to read texts on Hecatean lore mm. because so much of it is is tied to various forms of Hellenistic recon, and I'm a dedicant of Hecate, and I'm over here kind of going. Yeah, um, the reasons I work with Hecate have little to nothing to do with Greek orthodoxy of any kind. It's also very directly tied to how you would have been living, like, you know, a couple thousand years ago. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, um, okay, so, yeah, so that, that's part, that's my don't wanna. <laughs> I yeah. just, I don't wanna play. All I right. I don't wanna play. So, let's go to the next question. Um, I'm gonna ask you, Okay. you can go first. You read it. Pride. What do you consider your greatest magical accomplishment? It says greatest mystical accomplishment. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. It, your greatest mystical accomplishment. It's okay. I think they mean the same thing. Um, I think it's important. I think that the fact that this is the pride question makes it fun that you distinguished it. <laughs> um, what is my greatest mystical accomplishment? Ugh, yes. This is hard. Um, the Risting Tradition. The, the witchcraft classes. Those are my greatest mystical accomplishment. Uh, teaching my witchcraft classes to a degree that some 50-some-odd people have managed to make like a, a, a tradition out of it and become something amazing and potent and dangerous. I love that. I fucking love that. So, and no, they're not all my students. Some of them are students of my students, but ugh, I'm so proud of all of them. But you can have students of students. Like, that's, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty fucking cool. You know, I don't care about that so much, but I do care about the fact that, like, we have managed to rehabilitate, like, and just, like, uh, we've managed to upgrade witchcraft to the modern era in our practice. And we, like, we're just so, like, the, my, the lineages that I encounter in my tradition now, um, inspire me so much the people in them are so inspiring and just so talented and it makes me feel good that i have contributed to make that happen but i'm proud of them as well so i consider all of this to be my greatest achievement okay your turn what's yours all right like the thing that i like really can have pride in and like feel like i've got actual bragging rights about whenever like sure well no, it's like greatest mystical accomplishment. Sorry, like I, I have read the questions ahead and I was making sure not to mix them up. Right. Right. So, um, greatest mystical accomplishment. Um, 
it's got to be like the court um yeah. like working creating a system where i could like work like creating a system with demons where i could work with those demons and be able to rely on them whenever i need to be able to do um life stuff or magical stuff or spiritual stuff has been like pretty essential totally and yeah so well i definitely agree with you on on the court because your work with the court helped me so yes it's it's anytime i teach people stuff it, it tends to be based off of that and it really gave it gave the demons a framework to to teach more stuff to me so it just keeps generating stuff it's the so. stuff of stuff Stuffity stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty on about that. Yeah, you should be. Cool. Okay, I'll read the next one then. Hi. All right. So, lust. Lust. Name one magical indulgence you never deny yourself. I will never fail to pull a tarot card on anything. <laughs> okay. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it has should or. Or whatever in the question. I don't care if it isn't even a sensible question. I like break all kinds of tarot rules whenever I ask questions of my deck, and so my, sometimes my deck will even smack me for it. But like, I will ask any question. Um, I usually ask it of my tarot app on my phone, so I can just ask it anywhere I am. See, you kind of almost took mine. Mine's a little different, but you know. Oh, I'm sorry. No. It was very like tarot. It's but it's yeah, that. Perfect. Like, like it, I've just, anytime I do it and I know I am like, you know, this is something I should, like, I'm like, how dare I even ask that question? But I still do it. Right. See, I'm over here kind of going like, like, I will never fail to use my magic to snoop. Ah. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I will never fail. Like, divination, um, like a truth hacks. I will never fail to do this. Um, true sight, scry a bitch to filth. Um, that, just whatever but like so now i have to pick another one though because you kind of did that one too um, i feel like yours is different though because you're like actively like you know snooping like, like snooping on other people's stuff where like i'm just like you know any any really stupid question that comes up like you know which which way should i turn whenever i like you know go down the road or something right i think the only other um i think the only other magical indulgence that i do regularly is hexing Anytime I'm irritated, I start hexing things. Like, I never stop myself. Like, and it's not even just irritated, but, like, inconvenienced slightly. I start doing hexes. I start throwing them around. I've actually gotten pretty good at it. Um, so traffic I'm not changes. not how much I do that. Right. Changing traffic lights. Um, and mind you, like, it's not just, like, a stare at the traffic light and scream, turn green, damn it, until it does. Which I know people do, um, but I actually, like, will change the whole street. Like, I'll just, nope, everything turns green, get the fuck out of my way. People start moving out of my way, the lights turn green, everything. I just, I tend to be bigger now. Anyways, okay, your turn. Read the next one. Yes, yes, yes. All right, Wrath. Name a behavior or pattern in the occult community that makes you want to flip the table all the time. This one's kind of hard for me because there's so much that makes me irritated. Name only one behavior. I know it's very annoying. Um, I mean, I don't know if if you have to take a broad swath of them, I don't really care. Let me think here. Name a 
behavior or pattern in that makes me always want to flip the table. Um, <sighs> oh, I got one. Um, I'm a natural witch. I don't have to read. Don't have to... Oh, oh, don't have to read any books. Yeah. Or articles or anything. Or try. Natural I don't ca- witch. Or, like, I don't cast spells. Things oh, yeah, I don't have to cast spells. So, like... I don't know. Witch privilege? <laughs> like, witch smug... Like, smug effete kind of, like entitlement i guess makes me want to flip the tables always like anytime someone's like oh yeah see i don't read books i just kind of do things i'm over here going i don't really want to talk to you and then they continue to try to justify it and then i'm like every word you say makes me want to hit you with this chair you know what i mean it's just oh that really angers me come on you guys like this is a profession keep it in gear yes aptitude and talent do allow for a lot of like of skill but like they allow for a lot but they aren't the end all and be all pick up a book anyways your turn (laughs) i hate like mainstream occult blogging (laughs) i specifically i really hate the theos blogs um i i hate how they're like made to that that bloggers are pressured to make their stuff like kind of like be a content hose right um that like at this point anybody who has a blog on patheos they kind of have to like blog like three times a week or something and so they're like, everybody will blog about the same topic um three times a week like most blogs will be a reaction to somebody else's blog because everybody's trying to figure out how they can like possibly generate more content for their blog because three posts a week is a lot I agree. Um, that is really trashy. And so it feels like most of the things that people are talking about when it comes to, to blogs um, end up just being kind of like this this content marketing stuff instead of anybody really talking about anything that I care about. I absolutely agree. Plus, they're they're controlling the, the narrative on everything. And, like, it's the same problem with, like, all forms of social media. It annoys me. I agree. We get... We get into this long diatribe about some subject because somebody said something that was mildly provoking or mildly like lazy-minded or whatever, um, and then everybody's talking about that instead of really interesting things, and I uh, it bores me. Yeah, so like it got I got really tired of Tumblr because it seemed like it was just everybody reacting to other people, and that's that's more of the same thing. Just like ah, yeah, I feel it. Wrath, <laughs> wrath. Okay, cool. All right, so. The next one, and this one is, this is me reading it. Okay. Yes. Greed. What's something occult you want all for yourself? Nobody else gets any. All right. So I can't, I'm not going to just say all the books. <laughs> you just did. Um, because that's just like, that's too easy. Um, I really want... All of Aleister Crowley's letters. Ooh, that's pretty good. I get really jealous whenever I see any of his letters, like letters to him or from him, um, on like the Wiser Antiquarian website, like because they sell all kinds of antiquities and and used books. Um, I once saw like 
a $35,000 book, or maybe $13,000 book, I think it was $13,000, in uh, Powell City of Books in the Rare Book Room that was um, an Eliphas um, Levi book that Aleister Crowley had owned and had actually annotated himself. Oh my god! And I wanted it so bad, but I could—I didn't have a house to sell or anything, so, <laughs> you know, or, or like you know, a mortgage to take out at the exactly. time. Exactly, or and you know, a child to sell sad. on the black market. I mean, you sometimes have those spare. I really hate seeing all this stuff, and and I wish there was a central repository of of this stuff that was digitized. By the way, right? Um, because like I know we're talking about greed, but like I I would actually like everybody to just have all the stuff. That meant that means that I could have it all too. Yeah, and that's really hard for me too. Um, yeah, so you, you, what are you? What do you want? Well, I can't say the one that I would. That's the most easy. The easiest one is, of course, first edition Silhouettes Tarot. But I can't say that because now I have a few people in my life who have that deck, and I actually like that they have it, so I can talk to them about it. So I'm right. like, ah, oh, that's okay, I guess. But I mean, if I'm being honest, then I want it. I want you to, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna say. Moonstone jewelry, like real fucking moonstone or labradorite, just like the really pretty feldspar jewelry. I want all of it. It needs to all be mine. No one else gets to have any. Only I get to have any. That means that all the tacky moonstone jewelry wouldn't exist anymore. Precisely. Ah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we move to the next one. Gluttony. Name something magical or occult you use as comfort food. And comfort food is in quotations, so I'm assuming it's not actual food we're referring to here. Yes. So, all right. So, name something magical or occult that you use as comfort food. Um. Wow, curses. (laughs) I will write a curse. I design nasty spells when I'm in a bad place. I design nasty-ass spells. I rarely cast them, but they are all written down here somewhere. What about you? Um, I am going to go a little bit more towards traditional gluttony. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had a tendency to collect uh, occult books. There you go. Whenever I want to feel happier. <laughs> right like shopping therapy fuck yeah yeah i've actually tried to fight that tendency because occult books are a little bit too expensive it's hard to find anywhere where i can just buy a little a cheap cult thing here or there yeah because they're not writing them and you know back in the 70s and 80s people would write these 10 dollar fucking books yeah they or were... like those little dollar pamphlets that are now like you know 50 dollars in the resale market yeah like really super disappointing maybe we should start doing something like that you know i i should probably like look into getting more zines because there are witchy zines and i i also should look into making zines and we I should know. also do some shit too you're trying you're like totally correct yes i'm not actually a fan of zines they're a little too punk for me and i'm too goth for that like i oh, want something wow. i want something written in spidery handwriting and that that looks you know like it persuades you that you're in another time. I'm not looking That's okay. For I wanted to make a fancier zine than zines usually are anyway. Oh, there we go. Maybe we could do something about it then. I just figured that like if my zine was too fancy for like some people then then they just wouldn't get it. There you go. <laughs> and remember, you guys, you heard it here first. So Yes, it will be so fancy. <laughs> if, yeah, if any of y'all have a uh, question as to where we started, today was the day. <laughs> so, all right. So, I read the next one. Yes. Yes. Okay. Envy. 
What is one thing in your background as a magician you're smug about when people hear about it? It is totally that demons have taught me magic. <laughs> like, Hell oh, I'm sorry, it. I didn't learn that from an occult forum or from a teacher that's human or from a book or whatever. I learned it from Astaroth because, like, she was, like, you know, talking to me about it as I was looking up at the stars one night and, you know, so that's me. <laughs> I know exactly how smug that sounds. I am quite aware. I also like know that I don't really have an alternative. Like I don't have a non-smug version well, of that story. True. You know, it's just like smug's true in this case. Sorry. Right. Sorry about not, it. Not really not that, that sorry. sorry though. <laughs> yeah. Um. Not supposed to apologize. Demon said not to. So. But what about you? Um. Like the obvious ones would be like, oh, I wrote a book and people heard of it. That and then I'm smug. No, because that that doesn't happen as often like you don't tend to really come off as very smug about it because i'm not really i'm more astonished that i managed to get through it um <laughs> such an excellent book um i think that uh one thing that i am smug about is when people know my name i think it's very interesting when i go to an event and i've not told anybody who i am or whatever and i walk in and i go hi i'm rune emerson they go oh my god you're rune emerson or or better is when they go <gasps> like they make that little like scared noise <laughs> <laughs> i'm a little smug then like oh it's that guy and it's it's weird because um at pagan conventions local to the area so like like uh, pantheacon which is only four hours away it's actually more like three um hours away uh people from nevada people specifically from reno have a reputation like when we go there and they go like we we get into workshops or something the very first time we all went up we developed this reputation where people were like there's this whole fucking like caravan of people from reno here and they're asking all these crazy really pointed very like like serious questions and like like there's no like there's no chill amongst any of them like i loved that and then when it kind of became more a thing about me and like my crew that became even more delicious so now whenever i go to an event or a place or something and someone's like you guys that's rune i fucking love that i love it (laughs) awesome so yeah and you know because we answered this particular questionnaire now everybody understands why we're going to hell you know when somebody like knows my name whenever i introduce myself in person i'm still kind of in the shock phase the same way that you're in the shock phase about the book stuff right which is weird to me because you're more famous than i am i i i have my disagreement on that but it depends (laughs) i guess on where we are um maybe like reno's not a place to be though so (laughs) anyways all right so let me see here uh um that was the whole questionnaire i have however like because our whole subject today is supposed to be stuff on like evil and hell yes like that's our whole theme today so i guess we can jump into our we can jump into our discourse right yeah let's go ahead and do that so all right we're gonna jump into our discourse segment aka echo chamber azarak where we talk about things that are totally true and totally interesting and we're right and other people are wrong take that credit like critics and people who argue with me um so today's discourse is why do they need double hockey sticks anyway like why do they need so many double hockey sticks who's playing hockey in hell 
Anyways. Because hell froze over. <laughs> Clearly. And they just After never the Eagles it. got back together and put out that album. Do you know classically hell was supposed to be a freezing cold place? Um, I am aware of, like, it depends on... Hell has has been supposed to be so many well, things. Well, I mean before Dante. Like, yeah. Because, like, Gehenna is not the same thing at all. And then um, before before Dante Aguilieri wrote his thing, uh, and I'm probably not even saying his name right, I don't care. But anyways, uh, he uh, he's the one who made it all about different layers of hell, but they had already started talking about some of that stuff during medieval thought. And um, during medieval times, hell was supposed to be a very cold place. And, like just cold and barren and and nothing like like awful to live in because of that very very strange no food starving to death you know just awful except you're dead already so it's too late um and everybody suffered according to their sins and it was very interesting to find that out so maybe that's yeah, why they need, it was maybe that's why Christian they need hockey hell. sticks it, it was based a lot on you know original um greek underworld yeah kind of because like original Christianity is basically like kind of original Greco-Roman religion, kind of right with some shimmed in in various places. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so like since t- since we are currently in hell, um, you know, yay for smoke and fire and death and brimstone and the end Woo-hoo. times and all that. Woo-hoo. <laughs> um, since we're in hell, we decided to talk about hell and evil, the concept of evil. So why don't you get us started on that, Felix? Evil. Let's, let's talk about so, evil. So, yeah, like, it's very important when anybody talks about evil to um, to be clear on what, what they... Be clear to themselves on what they think actually is evil. Right. Um, and also what is evil about? that other people think <clears throat> differently what evil is. Right, because it's based around your morality. Yes, it's very much based around your morality. Um, So, like, I actually, I personally have a very different framework for evil than um, a lot of, I'd say, mainstream America. Um, I grew up Catholic, but then ended up, when I was 16, rejecting quite a lot of that because it just wasn't quite adding up for me. And so i don't really have a list of things in my head that are considered like you know this is evil this is not evil this is evil this is not evil like i i don't have a checklist um i know it when i see it um okay but like it's mostly because i i react very badly to people branding something as evil as a way of saying that it's bad right um i i noticed that evil was mostly just a technique to label something as needing to be dispensed with and 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 something that you shouldn't listen to. Gotcha. And so I listen to them not. I yeah, anytime evil gets thrown around, I the first check I I I make is to make sure that somebody is using that word in an okay way um or if they're abusing the word. Right. Cuz people often use evil as an excuse they do and like that's something that bothers me too like for me okay i base my concept of evil on the concept of morality morality is going to be based on your values it's a value judgment and it's based on your core values so it's not something you can easily shake even if you lie to yourself and create like a a false uh, equivocation about um 
you know, some sort of thing that's going on in your life and you start to try to kind of weasel your way around, you know better and you know what you're doing is not right because you're weighing yourself according to your own moral code. Um, and some people don't have a developed moral code, so that doesn't work for them. But um, one way or the other, evil is that which not only uh, isn't moral, but transgresses against morality and causes morality to not function. It breaks morality. And it's interesting to me because I happen to be the devil, um, according to many uh, a mother of a 14-year-old boy from my childhood. Um, <laughs> I, let's just say that Room was very sexually precocious and um, really wanted a boyfriend really bad very early on. And so lots of people decided to not invite me over to sleepovers. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that, that I was anything other than, like, a horn dog, But I didn't do anything, like, cruel or mean or wrong um, to these women or their children. I just uh, was a little too... Um, you were the fount of temptation. I was. And, like, it wasn't just the fact that, like, I was interested in the concepts of sex and interested in talking about them. It was also the fact that I didn't see anything wrong with them. Like, I legitimately didn't see anything wrong with the concept of sex by itself. Only the the consequences that come from sex that are not healthy, for example, um, teen pregnancy... Um, passing of STIs, that kind of stuff. I knew those were bad, and you had to take precautions. Um, so I literally did not see anything about sexuality as being a bad thing. As long as you're not hurting somebody, and they have the ability to consent, and you have the ability to consent, and you're both consenting, you're fine. That was my opinion as a kid. I've developed a bit of nuance as I've gotten older, but like as a kid, that was a thing. And also things like witchcraft and the occult and magic and, and running around in the dark after, you know, after dark, running around the streets at night, that kind of stuff, and dressing in strange costumes in public, all these kinds of things that I wanted to do as a kid that kids like to do. They're fun and pageantry-like. I was deemed, like, evil by a lot of people because of all this stuff. Um, and it made me kind of rethink the concept of evil, and I really... The only thing I can think of is evil is something that is complete... Whoa. What was that? Did you sneeze? Yeah. Okay, bless you. <laughs> oh, also, my cat is worried because I sneezed. Bless you because... I now, sneezed, cat. It's okay. I, you know, I, we want to make sure the demons don't get in or whatever. It's okay. Bless you. May the gods bless you so evil doesn't get in. <laughs> I... No, please don't do that. <laughs> That's not helpful. Stop helping. <laughs> But anyways, like, the whole idea of evil was that which is inimical and deliberately corruptive or destructive to goodness and to the world. And other people conflated that with anything that shakes up the norm, and I don't agree with that at all. Like, I'm over here going, your norm is actually full of evil, so stop. Right, and I had I talked to you earlier about the whole idea of, so you have just normal, baseline, regular... Yeah default and then there's good right and good would be better than normal right it's considered to be exceptional behavior and you're supposed to strive for it yeah but you know it's exceptional and so you know it's ideal but it's not you know baseline normal and then if you have evil evil is you know typically like the opposite of good but when people get into their kind of evil good polarity binary thing 
they often just lose track of normal. Right. Like, just regular binary default, or not not binary, but, you know, just regular default, like, there, there's, you have this whole good and evil thing happening, but they're not the only thing happening. Well, and, like, it is a very all-or-nothing kind of attitude. The, the belief in good and the belief in evil requires a person to be constantly vigilant about their behavior, which I actually am a person who does that, so I'm okay with that. But a lot of people don't do that. Like, a lot of people have a much more um, liberal mind about what they're willing to accept as potentially good in the world, or they just don't judge, and I'm a judgy bitch. And so that's very clear. Um, it's it's interesting to me to, to, to measure with my own yardstick the ideas of evil, the concepts of evil. Like, things that we constantly and consistently think of as evil are things like... Um, the dragons and the villains in the story we just paint them as as if they were evil like maleficent and uh the wicked queen and um to get away from fairy tales we go into things like uh like oh i don't know in myth you would be looking at like medea i guess the witches from macbeth um you'd be looking at uh the cyclops maybe and i'm like those aren't none of the no, none of them are evil they're just kind of monstrous they're terrifying to people but they're not any of them evil in fact medea was a hero in her story she was she helped the main character um it's just that she also killed and and cooked up her children and served them to their father because it was kinder than letting them be hunted and murdered um and so i was like i mean i can't really argue I mean, it's pretty hardcore, but it's not evil. Yeah, a lot of the the Greco-Roman setups were pretty like, here's your irony, right? Um, deal with it, right? Or like, okay, so like, and like, um, Russian and Slavic folk tales have a really strong understanding of this because they have, um, I'm gonna say his name wrong, Vinemonen, and then they have Baba Yaga, up right. in the, in the north, and both of those beings are semi-deific but they're actually magicians like they're they're like Baba Yaga is the mother of witches and then like uh, Vinamonen he's like a kind of some sort of weird wily shape-changing magician um, but the two of them are not nice neither of them are nice they're both mean like they do mean things they also do kind things they are bigger than good and evil and like that's kind of where I go with all of this like with my own understanding of evil evil is something that everyone can recognize because it has a stench of destruction and corruption that it carries everywhere it goes. It makes the world worse. It makes the world worse for everything it touches. And that's not literally anything human. Like, humans have the capacity to make things worse or better. I can think of one person right now, maybe like seven people that I would put on a list and be like, those are evil. We should get them out of the White House. White House. I mean, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I, there are a lot of people who have basically made choices to where, like, they've kind of, they come across as evil simply because, like, they're a stack of so many bad decisions. Right. And, they, and you like, can kind of get guarantee that the next decisions they make will also be bad. And their moral values are destructive. Like, there was a parable I read not long ago 
about the wise man, the fool, the idiot, and the madman. Right, right, right. I liked this. Yes, and I swear, I, I swear when I ran into this, it was like... I was probably reading some sort of like World of Darkness novel or something like that. So if I'm quoting somebody and I don't remember it, sorry guys. Um, Rune is not saying that he made this up. I did. did oh no, <laughs> I definitely did not. But I loved this. It was a really good parable. And so it's like the wise man goes to the fool and says, "The world is going to explode. We have to dig holes in the earth to let the fire in the core of the earth come out, so that there are vents, so that the world will not blow up." And um, he went to the wise. Uh, he went to the fool. He went to the madman and the idiot. And he said to all of them, "We have to go do this." And so, the fool was like, "What? Why? Um, how does this work?" And asking way too many questions, constantly, constantly questions, constant questions. And so the wise man was answering all of his questions and telling him all the answers that he knew and everything that he could, and explaining everything. And the idiot just sat there wringing his hands and looking around and going, I don't know what to do. I don't have any idea whatever to do. And he didn't do anything. And then the madman just sat there the whole day and kind of watched and mocked everybody else um, very silently from his position. So, but between the wise man and the fool, the two of them had two strong backs. And so they dug three different holes in the ground. And then the night came. And so they went to bed and they went to sleep. And in the morning, they discovered the madman had filled in the holes. The parable is meant to illustrate the idea that there is stupid, there is ignorant and questioning, and and most of us are the fool. There is like so crazy that they don't realize that they're crazy, but they think that they're helping, and that's the wise man. He's not actually wise. Obviously, the world's not going to explode um, because the heat in in the center of the earth is getting too hot. Right. Um, and then there's fucking batshit crazy. There is absolutely bug nuts crazy. And we're not talking about mentally divergent here. We're talking about like malevolent and destructive and insano in the membrano. And working against the best interests of themselves and others. Right, exactly. Actively. Actively working to demolish and destroy the world. Destroy Making decisions everything. that you just wouldn't make, that you should not make, and we're like, and we're not talking about some sort of extrapolated set of beliefs that you're somehow violating, which is more like a discussion on taboo. And if you haven't heard us talk about that already, we have a whole episode on taboo that you should listen to. No, this is specifically like obvious empirical value of crazy pants. Like you are doing things that are going to make you bleed out. You are going. You are doing things that are going to cause many people to lose their lives. You are doing things that are going to cause everybody to become sick and have their life expectancy ruined and hurt. Why are you doing this? You know that kind of thing. So it's inimical behavior, and that is evil to me. That's so completely imbalanced and so completely out of whack that it cannot see its way forward. That's that. That's like. That's like our president. That's like our the whole administration, the GOP administration that has taken over our country right now. All of them are actively creating patterns and pogroms and well, I can't say pogroms, but I can say programs, um, patterns and programs and structures that are going to kill us all, including them, eventually, if not sooner. So it, that's evil. 
that's evil's not satan evil's not dracula evil's not the werewolf you know evil is this evil is people in power using who have been corrupted by that power using that power to destroy things to ruin people's lives to cause harm that that is evil sorry i i ranted go ahead i've i've totally agree and i like I, I i sign on for that i um i wanted to to add i have a a personal definition of evil that um oh yeah definitely share that it's not it is not content based it's um, not content <laughs> what instead of you know you know this kind of uh, sort of the checklist that people go down whenever they're censoring something oh like, yeah you know, Mm-hmm. This type of thing is taboo, but this isn't. This type of thing is taboo, but this isn't. Right. Gay kiss bad. Hetero kiss okay. It's <laughs> um, like, come on! You know what, actually? Just shut up. <laughs> just turn your list upside down for once. Exactly. Um. Anyway. Um, evil is when you... And this is specifically about choice-based evil, like somebody actually doing something on purpose. Right. And not not talking about things Accidental. that are like accidents. Accidents are not evil. Acts of nature, stuff like that. There has I'm not to really... be volition. Yeah. There has to be like deliberate action in order for something to be evil. When you make a choice to do something, and that choice that you make actually changes something about yourself for the worse. Any time that you have to like do something bad to somebody, right. it does something bad to you at the same time. Right. Like you, you have to kind of damage yourself to make a choice that is counter to anything that you would you would usually do. Now, for people who are like, I don't know how it works for people who are seemingly making a choice and not like receiving any damage in response. Right. Like that they like something about their wiring just like lets them like be assholes <laughs> you know like right. i i i feel that like they're kind of on if they've managed to just bypass that circuit entirely then they kind of like automatically get to be evil <laughs> i am with you on some of that so it's just like you know I, I that's alarming to me when when somebody is beyond really making a choice and just sort of by default acts crappy you know and like i have encountered this like far more often than than i maybe think that should be a thing like people, i feel the same way yeah people who are like their nature is such that they don't have an like a moral code and if you challenge them on it if you say something to them about it they will argue with you but they're well, wrong. I'm random. What's that? I I usually get people who are like, oh, lol, I'm random. I'm a Discordian. Right. Or like, yeah, like you know, nothing matters anyway. It's all that nihilistic garbage. Yeah, yeah, the, the nihilism. Or, but the thing is, like, you know, interestingly enough, I run into it more often in the older generation. Um, I yeah. met a man who had no moral code. He could not explain to me why it was unethical to lie when he's um like making a business deal. He could not explain to me why it's unethical. He just said, well, and you know, I have to be careful of this because of business ethics. And I was like, why do you have to do that? 
like I knew why I would do it, but he couldn't explain it to me. And I explained to him, I was like, it sounds to me like you follow an ethical code because you don't have a moral one. And he's like, well, that's not fair. And I'm like, see, that's, that's the argument of a child. And so like we had this long argument, but anyways, um, I find that people paint things evil when they personally do not like them. And like, that's ridiculous to me. The entirety of it is is just utter ridiculousness to me. Well, evil became a divisive utility at some point because anytime that you've got a system where you can use evil as a way to kick something out or kick someone out, right? Outcast. Then, unclean. yeah, you you can label something as evil and then be able to erase it or them. Well, exactly. And then that just, like, when you don't understand the concept of evil, when you don't understand that what we're talking about are human choices and behaviors that we all have within us, that we all have the capacity for, and that our our fervently held beliefs are usually the key to us creating evil. Like, that kid, that 14-year-old kid I was telling you guys about when I was a kid, and people called me the devil... There were certain beliefs that I had that were absolutely destructive. They were destructive. I didn't realize how destructive until years later. Um, and if I had given ground to any of them or had been permitted to make any any headway with any of them, I would have done a lot of damage. And I was very lucky that I didn't do like all that much damage. There were some people who were seriously wounded by my behavior. And I feel really bad about that. But the whole point of that is... It's, it's not that I was gay, it's not that I was pagan, it's not that I was sort of goth, and it's not that I was sort of morbid, that made me evil. And people would try to paint me as if I was because of those things. It's because I didn't understand the boundaries, because I was unwilling to be hedged in by people who were hypocritical. I saw evil and didn't want to be a part of it, and they didn't have a better way to explain to me why something would be a bad idea than to try to say, well, God said no. And I'm like, your God isn't important. You know? So anyways, um, evil is one of those things that, like, and I think the biggest reason why I'm focused on evil right now is because people use it as a method of, of entertainment without understanding it properly. Um, like, Felix, you and I were talking about um, those movies that we were discussing earlier, the ones that have, like, you know, like, the evil Antichrist child, like Damien and Omen and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like, uh, my my mom was talking about how she, like, really liked them, and she assumed that I liked them because she knows that I like spooky stuff. Like, my, my, not my parents figured out that I'm a goth. They figured this out, like, this year. <laughs> um, and that's real cute. It is cute. Um, <laughs> They figured it out because of NCIS. Oh, um, of course. <laughs> so, just for the record, they're so cute. They just think that you're friends with Abby. I, they just sort of, like, use Abby to figure out what I am. That's, that's <laughs> adorable. I really feel like we should manic panic your hair black. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe sometime. So, <laughs> I, I did that once for Halloween whenever I was, like, you know, 12. Oh, God. Um, anyway, so... um. We were earlier on evil, and I was saying, oh yes, so my mom really likes the Damien Omen-type movies. Yeah. Like, she really, really enjoys them. They are something that she looks forward to, as in kind of a um, 
a popcorn movie for her. Sure. Um, like just like and 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 cheesy as as heck in her opinion, but like she she loves like this you know just movies where like you know people are just over the top evil, and I'm like, I don't really like that. Well, and you don't just like kind of go snore snooze. You literally go, I actively dislike that. Yeah, like at some point, if it's just relentlessly over and over with with no changes and and no moral at the end or or no real payoff, like miserable thing happens to people, awful thing happens to people, unthinkable ha- thing happens to someone, you know, just all these different horrible ways to die that I get to think about whenever I'm trying to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's not fun for me i'm already good at thinking of horrible ways to die so that's like really sad babe but yes i I know i know it's not like the best thing to hear but it's like you know i've all you already said like that you're morbid like i'm morbid too yeah so i'm like i'm I'm not already like i didn't need help being more morbid right so yeah well and see that like and that is kind of one of the reasons why i get really bent out of shape about like movies that are about human evil because like if you're dealing with psychological horror versus like uh supernatural horror i find them to be drastically different genres and i am not a fan of psychological horror i am actually a huge fan of supernatural horror and drama because i watched this movie and before supernatural the show ever came out i was over here going seriously a bucket full of rock salt would have gotten rid of that in five minutes and so like i watch like ghost movies and like paranormal activity and all this kind of stuff and i'm watching these and i'm giggling off my ass because i'm like you guys it's a dibbick for god's sake they even talk about how to deal with them uh just get some garlic cloves you know what i mean like i i'm over here kind of laughing because people are afraid of vampires they're afraid of ghosts they're afraid of werewolves and demons and all this kind of stuff and i'm like like this is where i live i mean i'm like you're afraid of my neighbors (laughs) so like it's hard for me to take it seriously but psychological drama and psychological horror is different because that's human evil yeah it's very very squicky that's like i couldn't watch that movie i don't remember what it was but there was one where um uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember his name. James McAvoy, the guy who played Patrick, the guy who played uh, Professor X. Um, he was playing a character with multiple personalities, and he was evil, like he was a, a, a like a serial killer. Uh, I don't think I watched that one. I think I may have actually boycotted that one because I like I disagree entirely with using um multiple personality or dissociative identity as an excuse for a villain right i i'm over here kind of like okay i've watched too many of those i can't get behind this because the fact that he has dissociative identity disorder does not explain anything it doesn't yeah i have i have friends with with did so yeah like like it bugs me so like i watch this and i go you're not explaining why he's a psycho and why he's trying to kill people you're just making this weird and interesting and i'm okay with weird and interesting so long as there's also an explanation because human evil really scares me and bothers me i won't watch saw i refuse yeah and the thing is like i i could almost watch a saw um, I'm not really interested because I I feel I don't really like the idea that somebody thinks that's a kind of justice. Exactly. Um, I don't I, like I, like yeah. There's a cruelty that goes deep into that that I'm just like I can't I can't do it. Where you force someone 
to injure themselves. You force someone to torture themselves. There's, that's evil to me. And I, like, anytime someone has ever talked about the concept of hell, the concept of, like, you know, that kind of thing, I've always been over here, I've, I've, I'm of two minds on it. On one side, I'm, I'm like, okay, if that was actually kind of, like, justice, you're doing it to somebody to avenge yourself, then I'm fine with that. I have a belief in vengeance. But if it's something like where you are toying with them and playing with them and making them hurt themselves, I'm like, you just became the monster that you hated. Literally, all you did was show that you're a worse monster than the monster. Congratulations. I'm not into that. And like, I don't know. It's I have opinions about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I do want to... I want to mention that I don't disagree with stuff like Saw existing. Sure. Um, it's like just I, not I, your, it's not your kink. Yeah, it's like it, it's not something I want to go watch, but like I think it's okay that it exists as a movie franchise. I'm not gonna to to debate it, the the validity of its existence. <laughs> right. Well, and like like uh, the same thing goes with all of, like the Damien movies. I actually find them entertaining because I don't take any of it seriously. I, I have tr- go ahead. I, I have trouble dealing with the Damien movies specifically because they're also oh very seventies and during the Satanic Panic and everything. Yeah, not just that, but like the the way that it's filmed and the way the soundtracks are like um like especially with something like Poltergeist. Like oh, Poltergeist. It's just so not no wait, no no not Poltergeist. Um uh The Exorcist. Oh. Yeah. The Exorcist is like like the Poltergeist I, I Poltergeist I really enjoy. Uh The Exorcist I don't and it's because like it's just so very paranoid. See, and 70s movies and, and early 80s especially like during the the cocaine wave of movies uh-huh. <laughs> they're very paranoid and have these very long scenes where nobody really does anything and the the, the music gets kind of like ee. yeah that kind of keening twisted nerve thing yeah and i just like cannot stand that on top of everything else and you're only sitting through that because like they hadn't yet figured out that cocaine was really actually a bad thing (laughs) i mean this is actually true for those of you who didn't know that is actually a thing you should look it up but anyways (laughs) um but like i you know like the exorcist really bothered me because it was grotesque it's just it's so over the top like but like what anyways go ahead sorry I, I do want to say that, like, my dad told me what made it horror, like, made it actually really scary to him and people of his generation at the time that it came out. What was that? When it was in the theater. And it was, this, you know, whenever they show they fl- show flashes of the demon statue randomly? Yes. That kind of stuff had never been done before, and that freaked people the, the hell out. Right. But I feel like the same way about that that I do about Star Wars, which is to say, oh, interesting cinema and movie tricks, so now people are finally doing them, and that, like this is the first time anyone's ever done that, so that's interesting. Yeah, and so, but whenever whenever The Exorcist first came out in theaters, like, because that had never been done before, some people thought that they were hallucinating or something. Right. And or- so that gave The Exorcist this um, phenomena sort of appeal. Sure. Well, and they had the same kind of reaction in the the early 2000s uh, over, like, when The Ring came to, to this country. 
Yeah, yeah. They had the exact same hallucination kind of feeling. And horror is meant to make you feel like you're going crazy. It's that's well, actually, it's for. <laughs> um, you know what made the ring phenomena really bad? Uh, the VHS. No, the DVD that um that came for the English ring. Yeah. Um, the the American version of the ring. Um, they had a extra fe- a special feature that you could play the actual video. Yeah, the creepy video. The creepy video, but if you played it, um, the DVD player wouldn't let you stop it or eject it. <laughs> and I, and this happened to me when I rented it, and it was the scariest thing in the world. I love that. Oh, I mean, I love that it happened, but also scariest thing in the world. That's <laughs> so brilliant. I had to tell you that. That is so much fun. Um, when we uh, when I was working because I was working at Blockbuster when the movie came out and it was like, all, like we had a whole wall oh, full man. of these yeah in DVD you were and living the life in VHS yes I wanted to die um, but anyways it was hilarious because we had VHS and DVD there were, okay all the DVDs were missing like all of the DVDs oh, no. were rented out none of the of VHS course. were ever rented out but they <gasps> would go missing like people would steal them Oh my gosh. It was... Were they afraid to rent them? I think what it was, was people would rent the DVD and watch it. Like, this is the conclusion me and my coworkers came to. They would rent (laughs) the DVD and watch it, and they would think, oh my fuck. And they would think it was really cool, or they'd be really afraid of it, but one way or the other. They would come, and they would quietly steal a VHS, so they could take it with them, and show it to someone else in a really freaky fucking fashion. You know what I mean? Like... Oh, to prank movie. someone. Yeah, exactly. Either to, to screw with them or to protect themselves from the ghosts because mortals are afraid of curses. Well, they could fast forward the tape to where, where the, the bonus scene starts. Maybe. I mean, I don't and, know that they had any just bonus like, scenes because I only watched it in the movie theater. So I just figured that if you had the VHS version of the movie, then the usually what they would do with the bonus features on a VHS is they put them after the movie. Right. And so... It, I'm just guessing that if you were trying to prank somebody like that, then what you'd do is you'd fast forward to that and then see if maybe you could get it to auto start in their VCR or something. Right. I'm, I'm just guessing, like, to try to get to... I like thinking about pranks as much as I, like, really, like, hate getting scared like this. <laughs> right. So for those of you who are just now tuning in or for those of you who are yeah. uh, who are uh, unaware of what a VHS is, it's a relic <laughs> lost to antiquity, dust of ages, very similar to a rotary phone. And um, they were scary enough on their own without necessarily having a scary material on them. So uh, what we are discussing right now is this particular eerie artifact, which if you use it, it might summon Dracula or something. Imagine that whenever you played a movie, it might squeak all the time. Yes, or um, suddenly show you other scenes from a different movie, or um, <laughs> yeah, or um, start to smoke and then blow up your VC- VH- your VACR, your re- your movie watcher. Anyways, um, so yes, yeah, so we've just taken you back in time. Um, but anyways, um, so flashback rewind. Yay! We we had a visit price moment. So uh, <laughs> and yes. This is all true. Um, but anyways, um, so the the whole thing about evil that I want to kind of tie up with, because we've gone kind of long on this now. Yes. I So, like, I want to tie up with the fact that I've, no matter who is being deemed evil, there are certain 
forces and certain beings and certain um, aspects of our mythology, of our history, of our mindset that we automatically label as evil because we've been told to, not because they were. Um, like, we're not talking about Nazis here. We're talking about, like, the Romani. We're talking about the Jews. We're talking about people who everybody said were evil strictly so they could persecute them. Yes. We're talking about, like, treating not just treating them like lepers, but treating them like they needed to be destroyed. Um, witch hunting. Literally witch hunting. So, I want to finish this particular chapter by, by asking an occult horror question to Felix. Felix? Right. If you were a figure in an occult horror novel, so we're talking like Bram Stoker, Lovecraft, Mary Shelley, that kind of thing, all right? Super goth, so goth, the curtains bleed. Um, If you were one of the characters in these stories that that was under some sort of dark curse, what classical monster would you be? What classical monster would I become as the result of the curse? What classical cursed figure would you be? Classical cursed figure. Now, the thing about classical horror fiction is that the main characters are always under some sort of a curse. So if you've got like oh someone who's like a werewolf or you know like one of the one of the uh, fish people of Innsmouth or something to that effect, they don't know it, or they uh, they wake up suddenly and they've done something horrible, that kind of thing. Or you've got Damien, you've got, you know, the guy who's, who is a demon on Earth trying to pretend like he's human and his curse is the fact, his tragedy is that he's human. But all of these goth figures are, they're tragic. So what, what would your tragedy be? Hmm. I mean, since we're both evil and we're going to hell. You know, my original tragic goth figure... Uh-huh is actually pretty horror-based, even though it's technically fairy tale. And so I'm kind of wondering if I should go there. Sure. What is it? Original Little Mermaid. Mmm. Hans Christian Andersen. Yes. Like, the the version where, like, it talks about, like, whenever she's going to the witch's house, there's, like, these weeds that, like, strangle people. Right. And there's, like, a strangled mermaid off into the side that, like, you know, got grabbed or something. Okay. And I was reading this, and it was this was, like, a kid's book. <laughs> okay. And so, like, um, but the original version of The Little Mermaid, like, she ends up killing herself instead of killing the prince. Okay. So that she'd be able to, like, earn her soul and shit like that. Well, see, there's still... That's a bit more, like, tragic, like, romance. That's, yeah, that's true. It's, like, tragic on her own things. Like, it's not there's really, not a lot of... There's not a lot of horror there. There's not a lot yeah, of, not like... horror. She got transformed existential into... Existential dread is what you're Yeah, no, the other thing that I was thinking of is what I'm going to go with then. Okay, go ahead. Which is... Um, someone slowly converted to a priest of the Deep Ones. Oh, there you go. Like a cultist who didn't mean to be. Yeah, or just, like, you know, starts reading a book, but then gets sucked into mm-hmm. the thingy-majig. You know too much, and now you are one of the mad ones. Because I have read so many books that give warnings about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, like, mine would be a vampire. Mine would be a vampire because, well, and those of you who know my history know that that's kind of ironic. Um, but... Don't you think? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> 
ass. <laughs> but literally, I found everything. Okay, like as far as the vampire subculture goes, I found everything appealing about it to be simply goth, like the goth subculture. The vampire subculture is terribly self-indulgent, nihilistic, um, self-destructive, and whiny. And more importantly, like the basic myth of the vampire always used to just kind of disgust me. I was never like attracted to being a vampire. I never thought being a vampire was sexy. I always thought of it as something gross, like being like mystically diabetic. You know, it's like he has to suck the life out of other people to survive. Also, Dracula as a character, by the way, was awful. He was an awful character. He was morally bankrupt. That was the whole reason behind his violence. Not the fact that he fed on blood, but the fact that he had no sense of good and evil. Like, he genuinely did not understand basic concepts like the nobility of the spirit. He didn't understand any of that. He said he was at war with everything. Um, he declared war on God, and, like, in the Victorian era, God was, like, a big deal. But, like, he was declaring war on goodness, which is such a, like, hammy thing to do. It was very... A very common thing in that era, yeah, but, like, the... the declaring yourself in opposition to everything, like, that that stance of defiance, but in right. a way of, like... I am know. the enemy of every creature. I am the enemy yeah. of all humanity. I'm, I'm over here kind of just going, you know, um, Antania is one of Hecate's epithets. Hecate, the enemy of mankind. And, um... I've never seen it as being something to be admired, so I never found Dracula to be attractive or redeeming. I never found any vampire characters to be redeeming or interesting until they were made human, until they were rendered human by the story. So someone who was trying to make them into more of a paranormal romance. Um, yeah. And I was good about that, but like I like the fact that you only see like anywhere between six to uh, like six to twelve hours a day that's horrible um the fact that you uh have to feed on blood and can't eat regular food that's horrible what's the point of being immortal if you can't enjoy the world so if i were to be tragically cursed vampire would be the absolute best curse for me because i would be a giant wanks bucket so just and I probably would become just as bad as Dracula was, like, you know, like infernal sorcery and pr like hanging out with the Prince of Darkness kind of garbage from all those stories. Because literally, I mean, what's the point of existence? Somebody stake me before it, c it goes on too long. I think that if you became like a and. A, a Draculus level vampire IRL, then we could pull off an amazing podcast from that. Oh my god. Well, I'm glad you have an angle, and I'm also glad this isn't <laughs> going to happen. So, <laughs> I'm also pretty sure of that as well, yes. Alright, so now that we've, we have contributed to all of your corruption, we're going to do this a little bit more, and we're going to move into the Celtic Crosshair segment, our divination and consultant segment. Where we, can, where we show off how awesome we are by 
using our magic powers to divine mystical answers for our demonic minions and sock puppets. I mean, uh, our fans. <laughs> but first, Felix has some info for you, so if you just follow him into this handbasket, we can all get started. Yes, yes, yes. Let's move along, move along, move along. This shuttle is going to leave automatically whether you get in or not. Beep, beep, beep. Alright, <laughs> so... If you want to send in questions to get answered during the Celtic Crosshairs, then you can send them to circleofsalt.podcast.tumblr or circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> Go to the ask section and send in an ask. If you send in an ask, it's much better than sending in a fan mail. We're really annoyed by fan mail. It's like a character quirk. Um, so so we prefer asks. Um, and nowadays we're just giving you names, just letting you know. Yeah, if, heads up. if you happen to send in a name, great, we'll probably use it. But, like, at this point, it's more fun for us to come up with our own names for people, and it adds to some of the humor of the show, so we're going to do that. We are attempting to anonymize you. We feel that this is important to anonymize you. So yes. if you want to, to anonymize yourself, go ahead, but otherwise we will do it for you. Yeah, we don't want anybody called out, and I'm specifically looking at you, Janet. Yeah. <laughs> Janet. <laughs> Do we have anybody named Janet who follows us? I hope they didn't actually think I meant that. Damn it, Janet. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so... That is it. That is the end of the stuff. So that is that is news. Oh, yeah. Also, if you check that place, then sometimes you'll see news posted. Right. That's cool. And you'll like get this questionnaire after we get done recording the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and post it. Yes, you will be able to see it there. It'll be cool. Okay, so um, today we are going to be answering a few uh, advice questions, and then we're also going to be answering a few divination questions. Um, for our divination questions, we have decided to use the most evil tarot to exist, the Tarot of Shadows. Evil. Evil. I feel like uh, I feel like the kids in the hall. Yes, the kids in the hall. <laughs> he's uh, evil. He's of... evil. Dirty, dirty evil. <laughs> yes, the pit of evil. Exactly. So anyway, um, so we're gonna be doing that, and uh, so why don't we start though with the advice questions? Oh, by the way, um. Okay, but so that's at some point you're going to talk about like how you're going to be using the cards and how it's going to differ a little bit from how I do it. Oh yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I the way I'm going to be doing my method is I'm going to draw a major arcana and a minor arcana because the book has advised that you do that separately. And um I want to try it out and see how it goes. Yes, and what I'm doing is not observing anything about the book because I am evil. 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 He's evil. He's evil. Dirty, rotten evil. Anyways, okay, so um, let's go ahead and answer the first question. So I have a question from, it looks like, from the Upside Down. Okay. All right, so. This is an advice question. Um, so they say, Hello, I just love your podcasts. I'm in the process of listening to everything you've published. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Uh, let us know if you like it. And if you don't like it, don't tell us because we don't want to know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyways, but the question I had was, how and when is it okay to, re to write inverted cards and vice versa? Write as in like... Turn them from right, inverted to right. R-I. Yes. Okay. 
I did a tarot reading yesterday, my second one ever, and all the five cards on the table felt like they were the wrong way around. Four out of the five were inverted. I also felt that the one card that was normal, writes it up, should have been inverted. And if you have time to answer this in the podcast, was it right of me to reverse all cards? Okay, so here's the thing. If you are trying to do magic by turning the cards uh, right side up or whatever, or if you intend to not read with inverted cards and they somehow ended up inverted anyway, it makes sense to me for you to turn them right side up. Um, However... If you were doing a divination and you were not doing some sort of a spell, you're just doing divination and trying to find something out, and the cards all came up inverted, and you turned them right side up because you felt they needed to be turned right side up, and you turned the other one upside down because you felt they needed to be upside down, um, you're, you just queered your whole reading. Um, you need to pay attention to the omens as they come up. Otherwise, why are you using this oracle? Trust the oracle and trust that things come up the way they're supposed to come up. If you don't like that particular method, if you decide you don't want to use inverted cards, then don't. But if you are like deliberately intending to use inverted cards and you get a bunch of inverted cards and one of them is not inverted and you just get a weird intuitive feeling that says turn them the other way, no. Read it first. And then go with your intuition if you're so still inclined, because it might be in, it might be require it might be implying that you have a complete system that is versatile and can influence the fate of your subject. In which case, your intuition might be saying, "Turn those. It will work out better if you do. It'll work out better for the subject of your reading." In which case, go with it. That's my input on it. Anybody who tried to turn the cards around, right side up to upside down, when I was doing a reading. Um, like, or if they were doing a reading for me and they decided they didn't like the way that they were laying would make me feel uncomfortable. So I will say that that's where I'm at with all of that. Uh, Felix, do you have any input? You have really got to have a reason why you're doing that. Yes. I like, you know, you've, you've pretty much covered all of these bases. Like that's just where I am with it. I, Rune has a much more structured system to how he reads cards than I do. It's true. And so I'm, I go with more like um, kind of some general guidelines of behavior for how I read cards than like uh, any specific system. But like when it like I, this, my, st- my system still kind of accounts for this kind of thing. Right. It's like, you know, I, if I'm going to, if inversions are going to matter, then they're going to matter. Right. And then that, that means I have to deal with them as they show up i can't just change them right so i mean and that's just kind of i'm um, please understand that this is just our feedback and our input um yeah and if you were wanting the cards to tell you whether it was right to turn the cards right side up or upside down nope you have to ask your own cards on that one okay so let's move. yeah to- it's just it's it's just important to be consistent yes let's move to the next question yeah so i have a question from who we are calling friend of black philip uh tarot question well oracle actually but anyway i'm trying to get some guidance from the cards but i just feel like i'm not getting anything out of them tonight however i'm super irritated at the moment and seeking advice on the issue that's got me all riled up have you ever had trouble getting a straight reading when in a heightened emotional state yes yes i have yes i have felix how about you um i have trouble 
accepting the contents of a reading when I'm in a right. heightened emotional state. Sometimes I will just get noise. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm like, this is garbage. And then sometimes I will be reading it and not like the answers, and we'll get into an argument with them, and that's fine. Um, just acknowledge your emotional state when you're doing that. So they finish and say, they, their question finishes with, I kept pulling cards that spoke to other areas of my life, and it's like the cards are just as distracted and cranky as I am. Uh, any feedback you may have to share would be much appreciated. Just listen to the latest podcast or latest episode, and it's a delight having you guys back on the airwaves. Thank you. That's very sweet. Yay. I really appreciate that. Um, okay, so that part where it's like the cards are just as distracted and cranky as I am, I'm betting you have more than a little bit of an ability to manipulate your cards, which means you probably would be good at fate magic. That's really good. But um, if they keep pulling other information, they're trying to answer your question, but it's your gift motivating them. And so it reacts the same way you do. I'm. We called you a, a friend of Black Philip, and if I did not know who you actually were, what your actual blog was, I would assume just from what you said that you're a witch and that your emotions are influencing your magic. Uh, so here's a suggestion. Try summoning a spirit and asking them, a trusted, wise spirit. Ask them what they perceive. You know, see if you can get some input from communicating with something that is able to see beyond your limitations. So that would be my advice to you. Okay. So I think that's all for the advice questions, was it? Yeah. Yeah. The rest I was going to... I can add a little bit of advice there. Oh, yeah. Please do. Um, sometimes when I ask spirits advice, they will start giving me suggestions about other parts of my life. Like, basically saying, well, this thing is going well. Well, what about this over here? Like, you know, that's not a disaster. And, like... <laughs> Um, well, that's not a disaster. Yeah, and y y I guess you could sort of just sketch in, like, you know, the, the un unasked questions and imagine what those were. Um, <laughs> but basically, um, sometimes the spirits will, will give, like, what seem like scattershot answers because the thing is, what I'm asking them is not necessarily something they can really give an answer to. I'm asking something. It might be a, a setup question that they they don't necessarily agree with, like you know, why is my entire life falling apart? Right. And if you're asking stuff like that, then you could get answers like, well, you know, you've got a really nice house, um, <clears throat> and it, it might seem like a real non sequitur, but um, you know, they're kind of being your friend there, and also they can't really confirm that your entire life is falling apart because apparently it's not entirely falling apart. Which is common, actually. Yeah, and so that may not be like what's happening, but that's an example of when you can get that answer and there is a meaning to it. It's just, you know, it kind of depends on what the question is that's being asked. Right. Okay, so let's move on to the next. Yes. All right, so I have something from Happy Witchling. This is a divination question as well as kind of an advice question. So I will be giving some uh, advice and feedback on the subject, but we will also be doing divination for you because you have two questions here. All right, so we have uh, from Happy Witchling. Uh, they say, hi, guys, I adore your podcast. Literally, you pick me up after a mentally hard day of work, and I'm so thankful for you both and what you do. Oh, that is really good. We're glad that we're helping you relax after work because I know what that feels like, and that makes me feel good. So 
All right. I have two completely unrelated questions for you. The first question, is it the right time for me to contact the Fae? Okay, Felix, you're on that one. Okay. And then Okay. And then this I will just go ahead and start doing the divinations. The second question while he's doing that is this witchcraft course I'm interested in is over 350 USD for a year-long online course, but I don't know if I'm being ripped off, so is it worth it? Okay, I have a little bit of feedback before I go into this. I don't know if you're being ripped off. I will read about that to see if it's a worthwhile course. However, a witchcraft course that costs $350 USD for a year-long course breaks down to about $30 a month. That's not bad. I personally, if you're, ta if you're taking my course and you're in a class, it costs you $20 per lesson and there are 48 lessons. If you're doing it one-on-one, -on -one, which is how most of my online students do, it costs $60 per lesson. So that's a ridiculous amount of money. The thing is, it doesn't have to be done in a year. We can take it as long in whatever uh, like spacing people need. But the fact of the matter is, like, less than $30 a month is not bad for any like, like legitimate course of divination. Um, I myself have a $22 a month uh, section in my uh, in my uh, Patreon that is designed around allowing people to kind of learn certain kinds of magic with me and I put way less on there than most people put into their really like comprehensive study courses and if they're charging $350 for it and it's a good course go for it um, but I don't know if you're being ripped off so Felix why don't you tell us about the Fae the Fae. All right. Da bears. What's the, what's the top card say? Da bears. Top card says Mars's cruelty. <laughs> um, and this was like, is it the right time for me to contact the Fae? Um, <laughs> That's not a good card. I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's a, actually. So, um, what I do with these cards is that I just interpret them as I see them. Like I use them like an oracle deck. Okay. <clears throat> This is counter to the guidebook, but oh well. Oh well. I'm evil. It's I'm not Hell's easy favorite. being evil. <laughs> yes, you're Hell's so, favorite. It even says so on your wall. That's right. Thank you, Tiffany. <laughs> um, so Mars's Cruelty. This this card um, is a shield with a sword in front of it. They look very like Roman style. Um, and then, like, Mars's helmet with some arrows and stuff. Like, you know, it's all that regalia. Um, and I think that it's actually not just a bad time for you to do this personally, but it seems to be, like, astrologically bad. Um, I think Mars is actually out right now. It is. Mars like, is in and retrograde also, I, and will be for I was gonna say, it's August. in retrograde. Yeah, my, my roommate is an astrologer, and so he was. And then you you also have a husband who's an astrologer, yes, so you probably so hear this the same this. way. <laughs> so guess what, audience? Mars is in retrograde, so it's a bad time. And also, Mercury is in retrograde, it, so it's not a good time. <laughs> okay. I like that this deck knows this, though. I'm just like, It's huh. just like, yeah, that's a bad plan. You shouldn't do it. Yeah. Didn't need a reversal to know that. All right, let me see here. So, 
my cards I got in regards to whether this particular course is a ripoff, like if it's going to rip you off. So here's the thing. I got two cards because I drew a major arcana and a minor arcana. The major arcana that I got was the Star of Lucifer, a.k.a. Venus. <laughs> right. Um, the Morning Star. Um, and it's intended to... Uh, like, like this particular card is meant to depict the concept of <sighs> Lucifer's magic, basically. So, vanity, beauty, uh, inspiration, passion, letting yourself go into the earthly, letting yourself enjoy the sensual, all this kind of defiant stuff, that kind of deal. So, let me look at this really quickly, though. I have to read the book. Uh, really all it is telling me is about people. So, alright. The thing you have to understand here is, do you trust the teacher? Because the teacher is going to be removed. They are going to be um, inspiring you rather than actually teaching you. Then I have, the second card I got was Voodoo Ritual, which is terrible. This is terrible. And this is how you know this deck is from Russia, because they are so racist there. Um, anyways. It's just so clueless, too. It is. It's just absolutely like white entitlement clueless. Um, voodoo ritual. In this book, the voodoo ritual is not a voodoo ritual at all. It has literally zero to do with actual voodoo, and everything to do with this ridiculous interpretation of what voodoo is really about, which has nothing to do with it. They refer to, like, voodoo dolls and stuff like that, and I'm gonna... Oh, boy. Yeah, I know, exactly. Welcome to New Orleans. So this idea of, like... So specifically it says, the wizard forges a special doll called Volt out of wax, <laughs> crumb, clay, etc. Um, and it's fashioned to affect particular persons. It's crafted during a ritual. It's clothes similar to the person hair and nail fragments are added if they if you have any the doll is given the name of the victim and then you it's killed by various methods knitting needles being thrown in fire etc and sorcerers often threaten their opponents using this in order to ignite fear um weaken their reflexes and make them an easier prey to evil spells it's literally just this evil evil murder murder evil murder evil so here's what i'm going to tell you some of what they are going to teach you is not how they make it sound. It comes from older stuff. If they have any hoodoo, if they have any Afro-Diaspora influence, then they pretend it's something else or they just kind of, they, they misrepresent things. So I'm going to tell you that it's not that what they're teaching you won't necessarily be valuable, but what it is teaching you is going to be misrepresented for, for your purposes. So be careful check yourself and see if you trust the teacher well enough. Alright, so that's that divination. Those papyruses might not be so ancient. Right? Ancient Chinese secret, my ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alright, so let's move to the next question. And let's see here. This is being uh, uh, sent out to someone who we've entitled What Do I Make? I Make a Difference. Uh, they say, Hey guys, love the show, and I have a question for your Celtic crosshairs. Three years ago, I left the teaching profession largely due to monetary reasons. Although I'm generally happy now, I do miss teaching, and there's no outlet for that in my current career path. 
I've always felt that the purpose of life is to learn and grow. Do you ever see me finding a significant outlet again for the educator in me? Thanks so much. All right, so we don't know if we've already answered this, but we're going to answer it again. I don't think we have. Yeah, whenever we reviewed things, I, I agree with you. I don't think we have. Right. So if you get answered twice, oh well. Oh well. We did it twice because we're evil. We did it twice because we're so nice. <laughs> We did it twice. That means that if you listen to the episodes backwards, then you hear the real answer. Right, and you should definitely listen to the episodes backwards because, you know, we say satanic messages. Frank Sinatra is God. <laughs> Some of you have seen that movie, so you know what I'm talking about. So we'll see what happens if you quote that properly. I might have a special prize for you later. Then again, I might not because I'm evil. I was just trying to sound like a David Lynch movie. Alright, so let's see here. I am ready when you are. I'm ready. Okay, you go first. I have to look things up. Alright, so... 21. Beelzebub and Astaroth. Naturally. Beelzebub and specifically Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth. Um, Like ashtray. And Ashtaroth in, in this drawing is is a very rumply Greco-Roman figure that could be of any gender, sort of, and is is riding a fly. But it's terribly frumpy one way or the other. Yeah, everything is very... Um, I believe certain persons might find that offensive. Not anatomy. I think she, it's very I think not she, anatomy. I think she might kind of be like, really? This is the best you can do? <laughs> Like, um, there's not a lot of great stuff out there. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So go ahead. So <laughs> Sorry. We had that moment of just, like, complete shade. Um, Pales above an Astaroth. Um, Sorry, it's just, like, very, very simple, so that's why it's, like, so hard to interpret. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's basically like, yeah, sure, just pick a topic and get whisked away. Um, like, there's not really much else to say. (laughs) Uh, let me see here. I'm still reading my thing, but I'm ready to start when you are. Um, I would, I would go ahead. Okay. So I drew the black mass and I drew the spoonful of rosemary. The black mass uh. is kind of the power source from which all of this stuff is coming. So specifically, black masses were practiced by people who were disenfranchised with the church and trying to find ways to uh, develop power and influence and garner resources and so on and so forth through the power of black magic and and like demonic slash divine influence so literally i'm going to warn you that um one of your cards tells you one of your cards is speaking of the fact that being a part of that environment has its risks and its costs but 
the spoonful of rosemary also warns you that teaching helps you break away from indifference and apathy and it actually makes you feel better about your life and protects you from harm and it's always going to be a part of your life because you are faithful to that particular like force so yeah you can go back and do teaching in some form or you might come up with a new method to do it and i don't i i, I do suggest to you you might try doing that all right so let's go ahead and move on to the next one uh are you ready Mm-hmm. okay cool so should i stay or should i go is what we entitle you Dear Rune and Felix, I've been in a big rut for a long time, and I'm at a place where things are starting to change. I have an opportunity to audition for, what is it, for a studio space at a place local to me, which would help with my isolation issues and probably my artwork. But I also wonder if I should just spend my time working on the things I have going on at home. Which is the better option? So, Felix, do we want to split this and you read about one and I read about the other, or do we both want to read about the same thing? Because it's phrases one question. Hmm. I think that it would be interesting if we each read on, on each option. So, on both options? Okay. Like, on, on, like, one of us picks one option and one of us picks the other. Okay, then I pick staying at home. Okay. Then I will go with studio space. Getting the studio space. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right. So this card is called Vulgar Magic. <laughs> it has a vulgar hand gesture, which looks more like a. I guess it's either the evil eye or it's the ward against the evil eye. It's a vulgar hand gesture. Vulgar magic and is... And then there's... Isn't that usually about, like, love magic? Isn't that the whole meaning of the card in the book? I'm trying to remember There's also a, a root of some sort. I'm pretty sure that's the mandrake. Right. It, it looks like it could be. And then it's in front of, like, a very red cloak that is itself very suggestive and sexual. Ooh, cloak. So... Um... Hmm. Vulgar magic in response to you getting a studio space. Um. I want another card. <laughs> I want to try again. Okay, Centaur Chiron. Um. So there's an emphasis on healing. <laughs> If you go get the studio space, then you will definitely end up prioritizing whatever it is that you're going to do in the studio, um, and it will definitely help you get your healing, but be aware that like, um, once you do that, you're going to be committing to that, and it's going to... It's gonna make it seem like whatever it is that you're devoting yourself to in do devoting yourself to in the studio is a much bigger part of your life. Um and like just kinda be aware of that. Like it's gonna like feel like it's taking over or something. But that was kind of the point, is that you actually give it space. So 
Um, you know, when you give it space, if you, you give it space all the way, you don't just go halvesies. If you, you don't go halvesies on vulgar magic. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so that's what you've got. Um, it there is a little bit of of implication here that you might not be comfortable with the arrangement at first. Um, it's a new thing. Gotcha. And it's going to be change. All right. So, and I got for staying home. I got mirrors, and I got sorcerer's protection. So literally what I have is staying home means that you will be reflecting an awful lot on yourself and on your past and you will be surrounded by your memories. You will, you will dwell a lot and not pay attention to the rest of the world. Um, but I also have sorcerer's protection, meaning you've made that place into a refuge and a sanctum and a, safe, a safety that is by nature something that you gravitate towards. So if you stay in it, then you will feel safe and it will protect you from the troubles of your own craft. It's not as if having a, uh, a what do you call it? A, it's not as if you don't have space in your home set aside for art if you need to do it. That one's very clear. Right. Okay. So those were our answers for that. And I think that was the last question, wasn't it? Um, looks like it was. Yes, that was that. That was the end. Okay, well that wraps us up. End of the thing. Thanks, uh, as always, to Sharon Knight and Winter for the intro and outro music we use in these episodes. You guys can find their music at SharonKnight.net. It's freaking awesome. Please buy all of it, and then um, I don't know, uh, play it in your car all the time, and make your friends listen to it when you're, you know, helping them commute. Like, so that they will buy it, too. Put it on a VHS tape that looks like it's The Ring, but is actually all of Sharon Knight's music. Exactly. Oh, you, and, you know what? You know what would be and really... And then it auto-plays, and then they try to stop the tape, but it, the, it doesn't work because the VHS is stopped. Tape do- Britain doesn't work because this is an extended prank. Exactly. You know what would really be awesome? Like, this would be really evil? Find her music and play it as the background track on your blog. Oh man, that is totally evil. Yes. There's actually there's one field under if evil that's checkmarked and it's blog music. Yes, it's blog and website music, especially if you can't find it and turn it off. Like yeah. hide the pause button and make people listen to it. And the thing is like I mean this is kind of maligning Sharon and Winter because they're awesome and really this would not be a bad thing but it's turning something beautiful into something evil and that is the whole point of evil so alright I think that totals us up Uh, see you in hell everyone that's right toodles